Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening or watching, as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And tonight, I've, I'm, I'm pulling a page from the Christianity Now podcast. I want to talk about love of God's word. And this uh, episode of Cogitations tonight was inspired by uh, when I was scouring TikTok for videos to uh, scrutinize and look at for the Christianity Now podcast that airs Tuesday at uh, 10 Central, 11 Eastern. I, I come across this one and I'm like, man, I, I'm just, it, it doesn't really fit into what I had planned for the show. Uh, I didn't have Aaron with me today. And in fact, Aaron may be, uh, his, his uh, wife is expecting a little baby. Or he and his wife are expecting. And um, his, his OBGYN appointments are hers that happen to fall on Tuesdays. So for the next two or three weeks, it may be hit or miss with Aaron, but I'll be there, and I uh, may try to get me a guest uh, to appear with me. Uh, but that being said, I want to I want to I want to watch this video with you tonight, and I want to point out some things. We're going to talk a little bit about alcohol, and we're going to use alcohol kind of as a barometer for uh, how we should treat the scriptures. And we're going to look at this person here, this uh, this TikTok video here, and use it kind of like a canary in the coal mine. This is the kind of stuff that uh, that that theologians are giving people in the world today. Um, it's it, look, it, it's real nice to be a Christian. It's real easy to follow Jesus as long as you keep him in the manger. Uh, as, as long as you don't understand, he's the king. We have to do what the Bible says. The Bible is authoritative. And anyway, um. No, Christine, this is not a repeat. Uh, this is this is totally different than what I did this morning. Um, but I am I am going to be looking at a video that that I didn't look at this morning that that I, that I'm going to look at tonight. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Christians and alcoholic beverage, but we're going to mostly focus on how we should go to the scriptures and let the scriptures be our guide and the reason we need to let the scriptures be our guide. Now. Good evening, everybody. I see you saying hi. Um, thank you so much, Henry, for the prayers. Uh, Christine, good to see you. Diana Harden, good to see you. And uh, Jonathan Exum, good good evening and mercy. Uh, salutations. Thank you so much for the good vibes. And uh, yes, everything is well with me and the family, Missy. And of course, Terry Purdy and, and, and Terry Abston Purdy is here. Uh, Jenny Blackwell, good to see you. Gita. Scott Wall, good evening, brother. And uh, anyway, that's I think we're I think we're caught up. And uh, Dale Simon, good night, brother Tony. Good night to you and Connie Barton uh, and Elaine McClung. Good to see y'all. All right, here we go. Uh, y'all know how this works. If you tune into the Christianity now, what does? Oh, I'm gonna have to raise his volume up just a little bit. I think, and I'm going to diminish. Me now, this 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 starts out. What does the Bible say? I think it says, "What does the Bible say about drinking?" Let's let's get in it. What does the Bible say about drinking? First and foremost, the Bible says that you are subject to the laws of the land. I Can y'all hear that? That's not coming. That's not coming in through my cans. If you can hear that, let me know. I want to make sure. I want to make sure everything's kosher here. If you can hear the video, okay, good deal. If you hear it, then we're good. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna back this up. Then we're gonna start over with the video. What does the Bible say about drinking? First and foremost, the Bible says that you are subject to the laws of the land. Obviously. Now, let's stop for a second. Notice he said, 
what does the Bible say about drinking? Now, you're thinking that if you've got a man sitting with a collared shirt like that, he's got his hair combed, he's sitting in a nice office, obviously there's some money spent on production value here. And he's answering the question of what does the Bible say about alcohol? And he's looking at a book like that. You're thinking, hey, this man's going to impart knowledge from Scripture to us. Now, look, he might come to the to come to the conclusion that what the Bible says about drinking, that it's okay to drink in moderation. I respect a man that comes to that conclusion. I disagree with him. I do not think he is right. And I think that if he teaches that, his soul is in jeopardy and the soul of the people, the souls of the people he teaches is in jeopardy, but I at least respect him. But here, what does the Bible say about alcohol? And he goes, first off, the laws of the land. The Bible says follow the laws of the land. Okay, that's good. Um, but, but you'll notice as we go through this video, there's something lacking. See if y'all can spot it. Obviously, there is a permitted age and there is an illegal age. Also, the Bible speaks about doing all things in moderation. That's not just consuming alcohol. That's too much talk, food, too much of anything that is out of proportion. When you read the Word of God, it's what are you doing and why. So when it comes to the issue of drinking, as well as many other topics in life, ask yourself the honest question, why am I doing this and what good is it accomplishing in my life? Okay, what did y'all notice that should have been there that wasn't there when you start a video out in that way? What does the Bible say about drinking alcohol? Something that I noticed, there was no Bible. I'm not talking about how he was reading from an iPad. That, that doesn't bother me a bit. I've got a Bible on my iPad. He didn't cite one book, chapter, or verse. That's it. No scripture. No chapter or verse. You know, it is true, is it not, that we're supposed to follow the law of the land? That's Romans chapter 13. It is true that we're supposed to do things in moderation. <laughs> Where's that? Uh, one of the Christian virtues is temperance. That's self-control. That implies moderation. That's Second Peter chapter 1. But he didn't talk anything about what the Bible says about drinking alcohol. Why not? Let me put it to you this way. Let's see if you believe, if you agree with me on this. Regardless of your position of drinking alcohol, there, there are two positions that drinking alcohol for, for social occasions, in other words, not medicinally, Social drinking, we'll call it. Beverage alcohol for social drinking. There are two, there are two um, positions. Number one, it is a sin to drink alcohol socially for any amount. The other position is the sin is not drinking the alcohol for social, on a social occasion. The sin is drunkenness. And as long as we moderate our alcohol consumption, we're not in sin. Okay, that's fine. We can, have a, we can have a debate about that. But that's not what this video was supposed to be about. The video was, what does the Bible say about drinking alcohol? I put forth to you that we can disagree about the ipso facto nature. Let me, let me look that word up for you. First off, let me make sure I'm using that in the right way. And that way, ipso facto. Ipso facto meaning. Uh, ipso facto, by that very fact or act. So the ipso facto, the, 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 the drinking being sinful, ipso facto means the very act of drinking alcohol for a social reason is sinful. So you, you, you might not believe that. I do. But if you don't believe that, and I do believe that, we can still go to the Bible and figure out whether or not God wants people 
to drink alcohol. Because the Bible says a whole lot about it, folks. First off, to lay the foundation here, I want to go to Psalm 119, and I'm going to read Psalm 119 from the New King James Version, 161 through 168. Psalm 119 is a beautiful psalm. But listen to this. Prince says, persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds a great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Listen to how important the Word of God is to the psalmist. He loves it. It brings peace. It brings joy. He has hope for the salvation of the Lord. Why does he then keep the laws? Because the last line, all my ways are before you. God scrutinizes us. All of our ways are laid open. We're laid bare before them. As surely as Adam and Eve was naked in the garden, bearing their shame for all to witness. All of the things we do, we are naked before God Almighty, and all of our ways are before Him. So what is the only way that we can remedy the human condition is we, I like it here, we do the Lord's commandments, our soul keeps the testimonies, and we love them exceedingly. If we do that, every question that comes up about our actions, we are going to go to Scripture to see if God approves it. We're not going to go with the idea that it's, all, that it's, that it's okay to do and find loopholes and ways to get around it and to get away with it. So even if you believe that drinking in moderation is okay, or if you believe that drinking alcohol is sinful ipso facto, when it comes to how you order your life, go to the Bible and let's see what the Bible actually says about drinking alcohol and see if it's something that a Christian ought to be doing. Let's see if it's something that a Christian can do and be pleasing to God. <clears throat> Let's look at the... That's it. Watch, watch out for false teachers. Yeah, okay, Christine said, I can't see you, Tony. Yeah, that's I had my, I had my, my video diminished so I could show the video uh, from TikTok. And uh, yeah, one drink, you're on your way to drunkenness. I'm I'm going to talk about that a little bit, Christine. I I would I would push back a little bit on that. I would want us to change the way we explain drunkenness. Uh, I think drunkenness is a very semantically overloaded term that is not adequately specific in order to have a conversation about whether or not drinking alcohol is sinful in and of itself. So I'm. I'm just stay tuned. We'll talk about that. And if I don't, and if I forget to talk about it, you remind me. But I, I do want to talk about this one drink drunk. I believe it's a fallacy. I believe it's a logical fallacy. Um, if I took even one drink, I think I may be drunk since I have never partaken or partaken. Uh, so wouldn't I be sinning? Uh, well, according, good question. Um, let me just talk about this here, here and now. Then uh, let's talk about the one drink drunk fallacy. It goes something like this. Well, let's say that if, if, if it takes you 10 drinks to become drunken, then if you take one drink, 
that means you're 10% drunk. You're, you're on your way to being drunk. You're one drink drunk. That defies a couple of, well, it defies at least one logical law, which is the law of the excluded middle. You can never be almost drunk. You're, you're either drunk or not drunk from a, from a purely logical standpoint. And don't get me wrong, in our, in our parlance, in our everyday parlance, which is not nearly as specific and formal as parlance on a polemic platform, in other words, in a debate, we can say, yeah, he was, you know, he, he was, he was almost drunk. And, and what we mean by that is he, he partook of some alcohol and he was feeling some of the effects of alcohol, but he wasn't falling down drunk. But is that the way the Bible describes drunkenness? I put forth to you that it is not. And the reason it is not is because of the word used um, for drunkenness in most cases. It actually means intoxicated. A much better word. For instance, Ephesians 5, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the, with the Spirit. Well, the word drunk there is mathutheski, and a much better translation would be intoxicated. Now, the one drink drunk fallacy, if I take one drink, I'm not on my way to being drunk. When I take one drink, according to the grammar that's used in Ephesians 5 verse 18, like if I take one drink of wine, I am drunk with wine. Just the same as if I take, I, right now I am not drunk with water. But I will be drunk with water as soon as I drink water. Watch. Oh, that's good. Now I am drunk with water. Grammatically, that's the way that word is used. In Ephesians 5, we, we don't, it, it, another way of thinking about this, let's say that you have a beer at a party and you drive home and an officer pulls you over. Have you been drinking? Yes, I have. It is assumed that you are drunk. Now the officer makes you blow into a breathalyzer to gauge your level of drunkenness. Are you drunk to the point where they have to haul you off to the pokey, or are you only drunk below the legal limit so they can allow you to drive home? But your state of being drunk is not in question. You've admitted to drinking, therefore you are drunk. Now the officer has to ascertain how drunk you are. So the idea of moderation is never in it when it comes to Scripture. Let's go look at the comments here. That's it, Gita. It's a sobering thought that we are bare before the Lord and need to be mindful. And Henry, we're going to go to Proverbs 20 here in a minute. Um, Psalm 120. One through, what's 120? Oh, yeah. In my distress, I cried to the Lord. He heard me deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. And what shall be given to you or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? That's pretty rough, Connie. All right. Yeah, and Scott, like I said, I, I know we use this vernacular about being one drink drunk, but like I said, I think that I think that implies a logical fallacy. We're just we're just drunk. When you take a drink, you're drunk. Now you're not intoxicated to the point where you're falling down, but you are, you have the the word drunk, the the word mathutheski in Ephesians 5:18 incidentally, it's a verb of inception. Once you take the drink, the state of being is entered into. You are drunk once you take the drink. Anyway, good stuff. And, and yeah, Jonathan X, and by the way, how can you read Proverbs 23 about 
looking at wine in the glass. That's it. That's it. Your one drink would also have to consider the strength of the alcohol. Well, that, that's that's the thing. Um, an, another thing with ascertaining the level of drunkenness, as we understand the definition of that term in Western culture, if I drink three ounces of sour mash whiskey or I drink three ounces of beer, my level of intoxication is different. I, can, I might be able to drink three ounces of beer and drive home and and pass a breathalyzer. But if I drink three ounces of sour mash whiskey, I'm not going to be able to pass a, a breathalyzer. I'm still drunk, though. B- both ways, I'm intoxicated. The level of intoxicant does not dictate the state of being. The level of quote-unquote drunk does not dictate the state of being is the idea. All right. Yeah, Galatians five nineteen through twenty one. We'll we'll look at that, um, and we'll look at First Thessalonians five as well. Um, I think Christine, what you're quoting there, First Thessalonians five, abstain from the appearance of evil. That doesn't mean if something looks bad, don't do it. What that means is when evil shows up, you get away from it. And in the context, they're talking about false doctrine there. Um, Elaine McClung says, the question is, why do we want a beverage that lowers our inhibition and reduces our reasoning ability? Well, th- this is this right here, Elaine, uh, is one reason why I went to the Psalms. It reduces our reasoning ability. Whenever we n- notice what we notice what the object of our affection our affection is to be. Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. That's intellectual. I need a clear mind. When I'm being persecuted by the world, I need a clear mind in order to get through that. If I, if I mess my mind up with alcohol, I'm not going to get the benefits of Scripture. I rejoice that your word is one who finds a great treasure. If my senses are dulled with alcohol, I'm not going to, I'm not going to find the word to be the treasure that it is. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. If my senses are dulled with alcohol, I'm not going to be able to to discern the difference between a lie and God's law. Seven times a day, I praise you because of your righteous judgment. If my brain is addled with alcohol, I'm not going to be able to praise him because I'm not going to be able to discern his righteous judgments. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. If I'm focusing on God's law, I will not stumble, but if my brain is addled with alcohol, then I'm not going to be able to to receive that benefit. Lord, I hope for your salvation. I do your commandments. I won't be able to discern the commandments if my brain is addled with alcohol. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. That's a committed relationship. You're not going to be able to do that if your brain's addled with alcohol. I keep your precepts and your testimonies. You're not going to do that because if your brain is addled with alcohol, you're going to be more impulsive and you're going to be less discerning and you're you're not going to keep the precepts and the testimonies. And then all of your ways are bare before God and you are going to be found wanting and you will lose that salvation for which you so earnestly hoped. All right. Good verses here. Um, oh, Psalm 20. Okay. Connie, I was trying to figure out where you're going there with Psalm 120. Anyway, let's go to Psalm 20. I want to read this. I'm curious about it. Um, Psalm 20, I think, maybe one through three. Well, let me see. Connie, that may not be right either. May the Lord answer may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God, the God of Jacob, defend you. 
May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. Selah. It's a good psalm. And here's the thing. Whenever you read the book of Psalms and you see how the psalmist is interacting with God through his word, alcohol dulls that. Alcohol makes that. Alcohol inhibits that. That's right. I don't want anything that makes me feel like I'm not totally in control. All right, let me get through these comments. We got a lot of comments. Um, oh, Proverbs 20. I was trying to figure out. <laughs> we'll get it right sooner or later. That's it, Connie. Yes, Proverbs 20. So th th that's the thing. Um, whenever we're talking about drinking and a level of drunkenness and stuff like that, just remember, um, grammatically speaking, once you drink, you are drunk. And that's the way the Bible uses that term. Now, check this out. We want to go to see what the Bible actually says about drinking. And many of you have put these uh, passages in there. Uh, let's go to Proverbs chapter 20. because um, That's the first one on my list. Connie's put it in there. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. All right. Whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Let's think about this. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5. And let's notice something. Verse 11, starting in Ephesians chapter 5. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake those who sleep. Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So because of that, see then that you walk circumspectly, circumcircular, speckly, looking. See then that you walk with your head on a swivel. Look around. Be aware of your surroundings. Don't walk as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise. Well, now, wait. Let's go back over to... Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Paul is teaching these people how to be wise. He's saying, be wise, be wise. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Because of this, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you can't understand what the will of the Lord is, you cannot be wise. Do not, the very next line is do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Why does he say, after he gives them these exhortations to be wise, why does he tell them not to be filled with wine? Well, in, in Ephesus, there was a temple dedicated to the god Bacchus, the god of wine, Dionysius. Bacchus, Dionysius, one's Greek, one's Roman. The Christians were imbibing the spirit of Bacchus. That's alcohol. He's saying, don't do that. Imbibe, imbibe the spirit of God. If I want the spirit of God, if I want to be filled with the spirit of God, I go to his word. If I want to be filled with the spirit of Bacchus, I drink his drink. Don't be deceived. Keep your head on a swivel. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks to God and the Father by Jesus Christ, and submitting yourselves one to another. I don't understand how anybody can go to the Bible with just what we have here and come away with an understanding that you have permission to imbibe the spirit of Bacchus. 
Now, that's out of the way. Let's go to, uh, what somebody say? Proverbs, is it 21? Maybe it's not. Maybe somebody did put 21 in. Anyway, where I wanted to go next, I have I have a few little notes here, is Proverbs 31. Now, normally we go to Proverbs 31 to go look at the virtuous woman and her attributes. Today, we're going to go to Proverbs 31 to see Proverbs 23. I tell you what, I'm going to hold here on 31. That is right. Twenty nine through thirty five. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has without who has wounds without a cause? Who has redness of eyes? Well, those who linger long at the wine, those go in search of mix, those who go in search of mixed wine. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly, and at the last it bites like a serpent, stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. Your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, or like one who lies at the top of the mast, saying, They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? that I may seek another drink. Well, you know, if I'm being fair, I might say, well, yeah, but that verse right there, that passage of Scripture right there, that that's, that's the warning against being an alcoholic. That's a warning against um, overindulging. And I suppose that would be true. However, what's that one verse say? Don't even look at it when it's red in the cup. When it sparkles in the cup, don't look at it. That doesn't sound like a case for moderation to me. That sounds like a prohibition in totality. So if we're going to go to the Bible and see what the Bible says about drinking, why would we throw those verses out? Why would we say some platitude like, well, first off, you've got to follow the laws of the land, so there's a legal drinking age and an illegal drinking age. we got to do things in moderation. You can't drink and drive. can't be publicly intoxicated, all that good stuff. And as long as you follow the laws of the land and as long as you do things in moderation, you'll be fine. But you really need to ask yourself, why are you doing this and does it honor God? Man, I could say that about anything. You know, every once in a while, I need to stay up all night, and I take a look. I don't really. This is this is just a a, an illustration. I'm being sarcastic, and when I need to stay up all night, I um, I take a little bump of crystal meth. I do it in moderation, and and you know what? It's it's legal where I am, or at least it's decriminalized. So I'm not really violating the laws of the land. So I'm doing it in moderation, and I'm not violating the laws of the land. In fact, I'll give you one better. Uh, psilocybin. It's a it's a DMT compound. It's a it's a psychiatric. It's a psychotropic compound. It it, it it's it's like acid or LSD. You can you can order it anywhere in Canada. They will send it right to your door. And you, it's psilocybin mushrooms. You uses Canadian Post. They'll send it in a discreet box, but they don't hide who they are. I mean, they still tracking numbers and everything, and the government knows. So, I want to go on a little trip. I just eat a little mushroom. It's in moderation, and it's not violating the law of the land. So I'm okay. And I'm doing it so I can help with my post-traumatic stress disorder. 
which there's studies coming out now that's saying that uh, psychiatric or psychotropic drugs are good for post-traumatic stress disorder and, and some of the things that I'm, I'm dealing with. You know, there's, there's just one problem. What happens when you go to the Bible to talk about psychotropic drugs? What happens when you go to the Bible to talk about doing these things that are very, very harmful and addictive? You see all these kind of prohibitions. Anyway, uh, good questions to ask. Can one fornicate in moderation? Can one steal in moderation? So let's go to Proverbs 31. I want to I go there through, through this discussion. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. Scholars believe that, the, that Lemuel is the, uh, like, a, like a pet name that Bathsheba had for Solomon. What, my son? And what, son of my womb? And what son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted folks. This is a prohibition against alcohol. Now, many people will go and say, well, look, look at the next line. Verse 6, give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. And so they say, look, the, the, the Bible here is extolling the virtues of drinking. In certain situations, it's virtuous to drink. You will find no reputable psychologist that will tell you to take a person who is depressed and give them alcohol. If you mix depression and alcohol, you do not start spiraling upward. You start spiraling downward and at a very rapid pace. This is not prescriptive. This is not telling uh, Solomon to give people who are depressed alcohol. What th This is descriptive. You are a king. You are better than this. You leave alcohol to the dregs. That don't sit well in our society today, but that's what's being communicated here. It's like if I told my son, look, son, Crack cocaine and methamphetamine is not for you. It is not for a brewer. Leave meth and crack. Leave cocaine. Leave heroin. Leave that to the, to the people out there on the streets. Leave that. Let, 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 give, give it to those people out there on the streets. It's not for you, oh son. I'm not telling him to go give these people drugs. I'm, I'm describing to him that these drugs are made for a certain type of people. And it's made, it's, it's made for a group of people that can't get it together. Alcohol is for people that can't get it together. Methamphetamine, heroin, fentanyl, cocaine. All of that is made for people that can't get it together. It is not for princes. It is not for kings. Because if you take that stuff, you'll addle your brain and you will pervert the justice of all the afflicted because you will forget the law. Go back to Psalm 119 that I read. Though princes persecute me, my heart stands in awe of thy word. You will receive none of the benefits of the Word of God if your brain is addled with mind-altering substances. All right, something to think about.
Missouri passed a law that was voted uh, yes that legalizes marijuana. Yet that's and and let me tell you from a purely secular standpoint, marijuana is not as bad as alcohol. Now this marijuana that they've got nowadays, it ain't the same marijuana that you're smoking in the '60s and the '80s. It's some bad stuff nowadays, but of all the vices that someone could have legalized and someone could have villainized, it's right backwards. Marijuana should have been the one that stayed legal, and alcohol should have been the one that was uh, villainized. But that's just my opinion. I know that. I know that. Uh, all all the violence and all of the the problems that are in, in the world today, they typically have a golden thread running through them. And that's alcohol. You know, in fact, uh, I, I was listening to a lecture by Jordan B. Peterson, and he did his doctoral dissertation on uh, recovering from alcoholism. And he says the only way you can recover from alcoholism, he doesn't use these words, but he says you've got to be born again. You have to have a, a deeply meaningful religious experience, and you have to consider your old self dead. You have to consider your new self uh, being alive as not an alcoholic. I thought that was profound. Like, ain't it funny how even the heathen can look and see the changing power of following God's word? That's it. Alcohol is addictive, and some people are more likely than others to become addicted. That's it. Um, but all of this to say, like, I, I, as, as much as we've talked about alcohol tonight, I really want to convey that the subject of the podcast tonight is not alcohol. The subject of the podcast is going to the Bible. Notice the beginning when I showed, when I showed the video. What does the Bible say about drinking alcohol? And he, he, he showed absolutely nothing that the Bible said and gave people permission to drink. So you may not believe that it's a sin, ipso facto, to drink alcohol. I do. But you may not believe that. You may believe that you can drink in moderation. I believe it's a sin to drink at all. You believe it's a sin to drink in moderation. But we can both go to the Bible and say, what does the Bible say about drinking alcohol, and should I do it? And if we're honest with the Scriptures, is any sane person going to come away with after inducing all of the evidence from Scripture, saying social drinking is a net positive and I can do it and glorify God. I would hope the answer would be no. I really do. Now, there was something. Oh, yeah, I want to get out my trusty, rusty e-sword. I want to look up this. I used. Sorry, I'm, I'm frazzled here. Give me just a second. Okay. The way I used to teach about drinking alcohol and whether or not it was a sin, ipso facto, to drink alcohol, I would go to Ephesians 5.18 and I wouldn't move from there. If I'm honest with the Scripture, the only thing Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 prohibits because it's so specific, it prohibits drinking wine. It does not prohibit drinking whiskey. It does not prohibit drinking beer. It prohibits drinking wine. Why? Be not drunk with what? With wine. That means I can't drink wine. That's how, that's how the Bible works. That's how we interpret things. So I know what you're thinking. Well, Tony, so then if, 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 if Ephesians 5.18 doesn't prohibit the drinking of beer and whiskey, then how can you sit here and say that if a person drinks, they are in sin, whether or not they, quote-unquote, get drunken as the world describes drunkenness? Oh, I'll tell you. Because we have a prohibition against drunkenness, and we have a command to be sober. Go to your trusty, rusty e-sword and type in sober and just search the New Testament, all right? 
uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. This word sober appears four times, or excuse me, six times, the word nepho appears six times in the New Testament. Six times it means to be sober and not specifically not intoxicated. It's of uncertain affinity, meaning to abstain from wine, to keep sober, that is, to be discreet, to be sober, to watch. Thayer, to be temperate, dispassionate, circumspect, to be sober, to be calm, and collected in spirit. But notice how Mounts and Strongs define it. It, it means not to be intoxicated. That, that's, that's the root definition. So we're commanded, First Thess- or, uh, First Thessalonians 5, 6, to be sober. First Thessalonians 5, 8, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Sounds like Paul wrote that, didn't it? So, we're, we're those of us who are of the day, we're commanded to be sober. Now, of course, 1 Timothy 3, 2, 1 Timothy 3, 11, Titus 1, 8, uh, all talk about sober in the, in, the, in the context of an elder and a deacon. But Titus, Titus 2, 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. There's that word so, sober again. And of course, it's it's used here in two two. It's nephalios uh, or nephalios, uh, which to mean somber, temperate, abstinent, abstinent in respect to wine, abstaining from wine either entirely or at least from its immoderate use of things free from all wine as vessels and offerings. Titus 2, 4, that, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. Wherefore, 1 Peter 1, 13, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Well, if you take a drink, you're no longer sober. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If you're not sober, will you recognize the wiles of the devil when you see them? So we have commandments to be sober. All right, so there's one side of it. Now, D-R-U-N-K. Nope. Hold on. Now, I've searched for the word drunken. 1 Thessalonians 5, 7. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Mathusko, same, a derivative, a cognate of the same word, a form of the same word that's used in Ephesians 5.18 means intoxicated. Anyway, that's all I'm going to, that's, 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 as, that's far I'm going to go there. Um, so we understand it's a sin to be drunken because if you're drunken, you're associated with those who are asleep and we are told to wake up. We're not supposed to be asleep. So on one hand, you have a command to be sober, and on the other, you have a prohibition against being drunken. How in the world, as a Christian, do you think that you can go to the Bible, and after you have induced everything that the Bible says about drinking alcohol, how do you think that you can come away from that and say, yeah, it's okay, I can do it in moderation? 
That's the problem of this kind of pseudo-theology, this feel-good stuff, this, well, just make sure you're doing things for the right reason kind of religion that a lot of folks get. I cannot believe what I I cannot believe what I what I saw what I heard when I when I heard, first heard that video I thought I was I thought man this is going to be good it's going to be a good video for Christianity now what does the bible say about drinking and then nothing about what the bible says at all it's just what he says it's just what he says about hey let's let's just make sure we're doing things for the right reason anyway uh, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should ask: Is it right to drink alcohol? And we find the answer to be sober. So the answer of "Is it right?" is no. That's it. I've heard. I've heard it taught that sober in the New Testament is to be alert, watchful. I think we have to look at the context in which it is written. I absolutely. But that's the thing. The word means what it means, and we have to ascertain its usage. And if the word nepho in its usage means to abstain from alcohol, then uh, uh, it, it connotes also that if I'm sober, that I'm a, I have I have the a full uh, what am I I'm, I'm trying to I'm I'm messed up here hold on. Sober means that I am in full possession of my faculties. Remember, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, being vigilant also means to be alert, to be watchful. So why was I told to be sober as well? Because I have to be in possession of all of my faculties. I can be vigilant as a drunk. I'm just not sober. I can walk circumspectly as a drunk, but I won't. But I'll be walking as a fool. I won't be walking as wise. So I think I think we do a disservice to the word sober every time we read it. We exclude being under the influence of something that will uh, take away our ability to do the will and word of God. But good point, and, and you're right. I hear it all the time. Uh, we, we can't play with or in the world and not get bit. James 4, 4, ye adulterers, ye adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's it. And sober means to be in one's right mind, to exercise self-control, to put a moderate estimate upon oneself, to think of oneself uh, soberly, to curb one's passions. That's it. And the way you make sure that you're not sober is you add alcohol. And we're told to be sober. Now, how much alcohol does it take for one to be not sober? Well, I remember watching... uh, uh, program in my youth this had to have been in the early 80s where they had a an enclosed test course where they had professional drivers driving through these cones and then they gave them the equivalent of like one beer and then they waited a little bit and then they reran the cones and the effects were terrible. Their their reaction time was was slower. Their depth perception was off. They knocked over cones. So whenever you ingest alcohol, it affects you immediately. <laughs> that was not that was oh okay that was on not long ago. Cool. Yeah, I I, I would wonder where that is. Um, I remember. I, I barely remember. It. I also remember watching a show about cigarettes. People say, "Well, yeah, I smoke cigarettes because it calms me down." And they have these—they had these this thing where you had to hold a pointer in a circle, and after they after the people smoke the cigarettes, 
they were uh, completing the electrical connection because they were jittery. Anyway, uh, Terry Crook says, when I tell some friends who drinks it's wrong to drink alcohol from the scriptures, they told me Jesus turned water into wine. I told them Jesus has no sin, so that wine would be grape juice. That's it. And and look, uh, I'm, I'm going to give y'all, if somebody throws up John chapter 2, just tell them, yeah, that's fine. I don't, I don't care what Jesus turned the water into. There's no commandment as far as how Christians should live in John chapter 2. John chapter 2 is an account of something someone did under the old law. So what Jesus did under the old law has no bearing as to what we do under the new law. We have to look at what Jesus said, and what Jesus said is from where the apostles taught, and what Jesus said is promulgated law, or was promulgated as law on the day of Pentecost. Uh, remember, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now listen to it. Teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you. Well, in John chapter 2, there's no commandments. So that John chapter 2 doesn't come over to the New Testament. We just have an account of action. This is what Jesus did. I don't care if I don't care if in John chapter two, and lo, Jesus turned 192 gallons of water into what would come to be known as sour mash, 80 proof whiskey. Well, that's fine. That doesn't mean I can drink whiskey. That means I've got to be sober. <laughs> you know, I don't care what Jesus turned the water into. That don't apply to us. But you're right. I, Jesus turned the water into new wine. He turned the water into the best wine, which would be the wine with no alcohol in it. Wine that has not been perverted by the spirit of Bacchus. Why would Jesus turn water into something the Proverbs writer says not to look on? Wouldn't that make Jesus a sinner if he had made it alcohol? Uh, yes, that that is absolutely the case. The answer to that is yes. Although, like I said, I don't. I try not to get off in the weeds with that. Like, yeah, so what? Like that. That seriously. That that's the retort. Well, Tony, don't you know Jesus turned water into wine? Yep. So what? Show me how that's authoritative to me. Anyway, um, I think that's really all I've got. Um, I hope, I hope that you can see. That the importance, uh, you can't just say, well, what does the Bible say about something? And then just take such a general look. The Bible, let's, let's go back to Psalm 119. This is the way we need to look at the Bible and God's word. Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds a great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are bare before you. We need to understand that all of our ways are bare before God. So if we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Have you ever, have you ever considered why a workman would, would be ashamed? Think about getting to, to the day of judgment. And you've been following what you thought was the truth all these years, but it turns out to be a lie. And you're a workman for God. You will experience great shame because you didn't rightly divide the word of truth. You didn't handle right the word of God. The word of God. Think about Matthew seven. Lord, we cast out demons. We did many wondrous works. Depart from me. 
I never knew you. I don't want to be ashamed on that day. So by God in heaven, when I want to figure out what the Bible says about the subject, we're going to see what the Bible says about the subject. And I'm not going to go assuming that it's okay, and I'm not going to try to find permission to do it. I want to go first see what God thinks about it, and then I'm going to order my life accordingly. I hope that you found something in this podcast that's been beneficial to you. I hope you consider supporting the work at digitalbiblestudy.org. I hope you consider supporting me directly. You can support me directly if you'll if you'll look in the show notes after this is uploaded to Podbean. Uh, you can find ways to do that. And be sure to go to digitalbiblestudy.org or digitalbiblestudy.locals.com, and you can support digitalbiblestudy.org there. Uh, other than that, thank you so much for your uh, comments. And... Uh, Oh, that's it. It's hard to get someone who is in a denomination that is a good person to see that they are in the wrong. And that's one of the that's one of the most terrible tricks the devil has ever pulled. Ever. Man, I, I think about some of my own family members, Connie. Hard. It's it's rough. Anyway. I hate to end on such a, a down note, but anyway. That's that's what we're going to end on. Thank you all so much. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. And uh, be sure and subscribe to the podcast. Be sure and share this live stream. And we will catch you 